We're currently in the middle of our Apex Tournament Series that has a $100,000 prize pool. And that's the largest that has been offered to women to date. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports, media, disruption, innovation, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito here on the first Friday in June, 2023, flying solo because unfortunately my co-host Tom Richardson once again has unfortunately picked up a nasty COVID bug and uh, didn't feel like all the coughing would work for our our editors um, for this version of the podcast. And it's a shame because this is a space that Tom really loves, uh, especially on kind of the digital gaming side. Um, and we're going to have really touch on, we've touched on some gaming and esports topics in the past, but this is one really geared towards, let's call it a newer audience or a more interesting audience or uh, kind of a blue ocean space really around gaming, esports, and really the innovation and the opportunities around women. Um, our guest today is Megan Holgate, Vice President of Partnerships at Gal- Galaxy Racer North America. Um, she has a pretty substantial background in the esports space, on the marketing space, as a USC grad. Um, and we thought it would be great to have her on to talk about her career, but also kind of the changes that have gone on in, in the esports and gaming space, especially as diversity and inclusion have become more and more important, even in the last couple of years. So, uh, Megan, welcome to the Cusp Show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so sorry that Tom is under the weather. We just recovered from the same. So sending good vibes his way. It's brutal. So um, Megan, why don't you walk us through your career, how you got here? Were you a gamer when you got out of UFC, uh, UFC, USC? Um, (laughs) Walk us through kind of like the career path, especially the stop at FaZe Clan, which I'm sure is really interesting as well, uh, to where you are now. And then we can talk about you know, the job and the, and the, the challenges and the KPI that you have now. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, as you mentioned, I was a USC grad focused on communication, kind of in the entertainment space. So coming out of USC, I started at Sony Pictures Entertainment. So that was an incredible opportunity. I was there for, gosh, six or seven years. And I jumped around on the digital side, the the digital marketing side. So supporting uh, the Sony marketing teams across theatrical, home entertainment, TV, kind of touched every element of that. And not to date myself, but at the time, what that meant was a lot of email blasts. It was websites. It was... Mm -hmm. um, creeping into the territory of immersive experiences online and mobile games. So that was just an incredible opportunity. I went from there to an agency called Fuel that focused on um, same digital marketing and and entertainment, but with a a youth focus. So worked with brands like DreamWorks, Mattel, worked on the Barbie website, um, a number of others. And from there ended up at Fullscreen. I was with Fullscreen for probably about four or five years as well. Um, I was on the account side, working with brands like Disney, Uber, HP, really helping them to find the right way to connect with audiences. So at this point, we're fully into social media. We're really targeting audiences across um, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, across the board, into YouTube, 
And during that time, I had the opportunity to work with uh, a number of brands that were starting to creep into the gaming space, like Prime Gaming. And at that point, I was starting to realize what a massive space it was. Um, Personally, I wasn't a hardcore gamer. I am absolutely what would be considered a casual gamer. Mm -hmm. So I pick it up occasionally, definitely, you know, have, have played Fortnite. I would not say I am great at it by any means, um, but very familiar with the space. And around the same time, I connected with TSM and they were looking for somebody to head up their partnership team over there. And so that was really my first step into the professional esports and gaming scene. Um, and incredibly grateful that they gave me the opportunity because I didn't technically have experience in the esports space prior, but I was there for about a year and then was able to hop over to phase. There was a great opportunity there um, to continue kind of on the sales and partnership side, working with brands and, and bringing different collaborations to life um, with the phase brand. Uh, and then most recently, yes, I'm here with Galaxy Racer in North America. It's an org that has been around since about 2019. It was founded by Paul Roy based in Dubai. And about a year ago, they expanded into North America. So I'm helping to lead the charge there and bringing our, our vision to life here. Cool. I'd be interested in hearing from a kind of the, the storytelling listening side, some of the skills that you acquired in school, at Sony, at some of your other stops, have they changed or did they help you to kind of do your job today? Because I want to talk a little, we'll get into a little bit more about your job today, but were those skills transitional from, you know, not even thinking about the gaming space, you know, when you first started out to where you are today? And what are the Absolutely. skills that are necessary? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great question um, because it, it it's funny if you think about how I jumped from being agency side and working with, with brands to connect with audiences across social to being in the gaming space, to some that may seem like a really big jump, but if you drill it down, it's really not at all because what I learned at Annenberg and what I, I learned in, in my time working in, in social and digital marketing is really just the importance of connecting authentically with the audience and the importance of understanding the brand and the importance of understanding that audience to make sure that you're building kind of a really concrete and I know it's a buzzword, but an authentic um, mm. relationship there and carrying that into gaming. It's the exact same thing, right? The, the gaming audience is incredible. Um, they're massive. They are loyal. They um, are very intuitive and they're very perceptive. So they have been the first to call out anything that doesn't feel right um, and that doesn't feel, again, authentic. So mm -hmm. it, it has definitely, I've seen those same skill sets carry through in addition to, of course, just within my role, within partnerships, within account management, it's the, the basics of uh, being organized, of being on top of schedules, of um, being really as much of a people person as possible. So a lot of those core skill sets have definitely applied and, and carried throughout my career. Cool. So getting to the, the current stage of your career, tell us about for people who wouldn't know what Galaxy Racer is, 
how the games play out. And then more importantly, this, this kind of DNI role and, and, and the HER initiative that you're involved with um, to try and get Galaxy Racer and the gaming space probably more uh, involved in, in multicultural and, and bringing other people to the gaming space that probably weren't there from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So Galaxy Racer as a whole is really a transmedia company, meaning they're in esports. Um, we have content creators. There's actually a music label, a record label within Galaxy Racer. We work within traditional sports. So really just a, a massive org, again, globally, uh, focused on Middle East, North Africa, Southeast Asia, South Asia, Europe, um, and as mentioned, most recently in North America. So what we're doing here is continuing that. We have two primary focuses as of right now. The first is our creator roster. So basically about 10 different individuals to date have been signed um, to our roster. Everybody from uh, content creators, uh, general gaming content creators like Leah Samurai, Shorty Pie, Captain Willis. We have competitive gamers like Reddish, um, who's in the Fortnite space. Uh, and, and further, we have professional athletes like Matt Polster, who's uh, with the New England Revolution and the MLS. We've recently signed a professional NASCAR driver, Natalie Decker. Uh, both of those, Matt and Natalie, both also stream. So it's a really diverse roster of individuals that all have a lot in common and yet are drastically different at the same time. So that's a lot of fun. So our creator roster is the first pillar. And the second, as you mentioned, Joe, is uh, Her Galaxy. And Her Galaxy is our initiative to really support and empower women across the, the gaming and the creator landscape as a whole. I think for, for people who aren't familiar with the landscape right now, the, the unfortunate um, assumption is that gaming is still male-dominated, basement-dwelling individuals, and that is absolutely so far from being the case now. Um, actually, women make up about 50% of the gaming audience. I think mm. as of now, it's something like 200 million people in the U.S. alone that, that identify as gamers. So if you think about within that, the fact that about 45% identify as women. That's a massive, massive audience. Um, and to take it one step further, if you look at the professional landscape, about 10% of professional esports players are women. Hmm. So that's a massive discrepancy, right? Between those two numbers. So that's partly where we come in is that we've seen that vast inequity and we're working towards offering opportunities for women that haven't been there otherwise. So for example, one of the first things that we've tackled in the last year is putting on a tournament series that has turned out to be the largest in the space uh, on a couple of different fronts. So our first is with an apex and we're currently in the middle of our apex tournament series that has a hundred thousand dollar prize pool. And that's the largest that has been offered to women to date. Um, and following that, we're rolling right into Rocket League. Mm -hmm. Similar situation, $100,000 tournament series for women. Uh, and again, these prize pools aren't unheard of within the gaming space as a whole, but they have been for women specific tournaments. So 
that's kind of where where we're leaning in, um, not only within tournaments, but also just building a community. I think we've been putting a lot of effort towards building a community that is safe, that is welcoming. Um, one thing to know about the gaming space is that it can be incredibly toxic. Um, and a lot of that is geared towards women. So mm. to the point that I, I think it's something like one in four women have experienced such levels of hostility or harassment that it makes them not want to continue playing. So that's where we've really been working on building a space where um, women can come together, any individuals can come together that are looking for a safe and inclusive space and find others to play with or just have people to talk to and really build connections from there. Cool. Um, I want to go back to the, the creator uh, group that you have now. Can you explain to people what they do? Like, like when you go out and find what, what's kind of the, you know, the, the look or the feel or the, the demo that you're looking for for a creator, and then once you bring them in and, and they are part of the family, um, what do they do? How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start by flagging that our criteria, our, our methods, those will differ from org to org, right? Everybody's mm -hmm. looking for slightly something different. Um, for us, the Her Galaxy mission is incredibly integral to what we're doing. Um, the value set there is extremely important to us. So that's actually one of the first things that we're looking for when, when we are looking for talent is honestly just really good, strong individuals that align with that belief. Um, we of course sign men to the Galaxy Racer roster. We're going to be announcing um, another individual in the next couple of weeks who is amazing. Um, but any man that we signed to the roster really has to be aligned with the Her Galaxy initiative. Um, in addition to that, really just um, diversity in roster. I think we're looking for people that that play different games, that do different things. As you've seen with Matt Polster, our soccer player, with Natalie Decker, our NASCAR driver, we love the fact that gaming is not one-dimensional. You can be a gamer and have many different hobbies and a, just a huge variety of interests. Being a gamer does not mean that is all that you are. And that's one thing that we're really looking to showcase in our talent is just the huge breadth of um, talent that's out there. We also just want to make sure that we are, are looking at creators that are I wouldn't say newer in their career, but we're, we're looking for individuals that are hungry, that are working hard, that, um, that we can help grow because that's also really important to us, especially again, with, with offering opportunities, particularly to women that usually are, are harder to come by. We want to be that, that support that helps them in this space that can provide tips, guidance, um, help manage them, and just, just be that additional support uh, along the way. And, cool. and sorry, and then yes, your, your second question in terms of what happens. So once we bring them into the fold, again, every creator is different and our relationship with every creator can be different. But ultimately we, we just support them on their path, on their career. And we do our best to find partnerships for them, sponsorships for them, um, bringing brand deals their way. So as they are gaming and streaming as they would have been otherwise, 
if there's a way that we can authentically bridge a relationship between their audience and a brand, then that's kind of the goal and what we're looking to do. So if you have a NASCAR driver, an NFL player, an MLS player, an NWSL player, mm-hmm. when they are not in their gaming community, are there ways that they alert the world to what they're doing? Is it signage? Is it social posts? Um, what's kind of their KPI on their side? Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, it depends on on the creator, but a lot of it is through social and streaming. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they can post saying, hey, I'm about to go live on Twitch, come find me there, or hey, I'll be playing at X Stadium this weekend, come hang out. Uh, The KPIs for Galaxy Racer are usually not many. It's like we want to bring them opportunities and that relationship is there to support. So it, it definitely depends. I know in the past at other orgs, there are requirements about having the org name in your social header or whatever it may be. So it differs um, on case to case, but for the most part, it's really across social and uh, across their streaming broadcasts. Cool. Um, and one thing you touched on before, which I don't know, we like to bring this up every time we talk about gaming or esports. Um, when you talk about gamers, and as I said, you alluded to this, Professional gaming is like, I don't know what it is now, but we used to be like 10% or 8% of the gaming universe. Is that still kind of true? Because you're talking more casual gamers, people like you said, who do other things. Not everyone who's sitting uh, you know, with a team in a, a gaming mm-hmm. chair or sitting in their basement or wherever they were playing you know, professional gaming all the time. How does that break out for Galaxy Racer from professional racing to casual gaming? Yeah, absolutely. So with Galaxy Racer, we actually do have competitive esports teams. We have a, a number of them abroad. Um, North America specifically, we're focused on the creator roster. But whenever possible, we do work with our professional esports teams across CSGO, League, Valorant. But um, I guess I'm not sure what the question is in terms of how they... In and terms how of that breaks down, when, when you look at an audience and people say, oh, what's the mm-hmm. gaming audience? Is it is the gaming audience today? How is it split from professional esports players to just casual gamers? Is it still kind of 90, 10 and the bigger audiences, obviously, especially for brands acquiring the casual gaming audience versus, you know, there was there was. A, and the reason I bring this up is there was that big push to very little success over you know, probably a course of two or three years with quote esports and pro sports teams jumping into spaces that they really had no idea what they were getting into, especially with Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and people didn't really understand that it's really casual gaming, which is where most people spend their time, not as a professional gamer trying to make this my living. Yeah, I I hear you. Absolutely. So I, I don't know the exact numbers. I'm betting that you're right, Joe, that it's a 90, 10 in terms of it's such a small percentage of gamers that actually hit that esports professional level. Right. (laughs) But the thing to keep in mind is that when they compete, they draw the viewership of that more generic gaming audience. There was a recent study that came out that says something, something like 60% of people that are viewing esports competition are doing so in order to improve their own skill set. Mm-hmm. And so that speaks volumes, I think, to 
the way that this industry works and that you can be a casual gamer and still want to level up. You can hop in and out of a game and still have interest in the competitive scene. It's the same thing as, as with traditional sports, right? Um, you may not be a professional player, but you still want to watch because it's still just really fun to watch. And the same goes for esports, right? The, the level of skill is incredible. So sometimes watching the competition, it's just wild to see how incredible these players are and how hard they must have worked to, to get to this point. So I, I would definitely say that the, yes, the majority of the audience is absolutely more of the casual gamer, but brands still have a huge opportunity to reach that casual gamer through esports and tournament side. Um, so really there's, there's opportunities on both. So as you bring up brands and partnerships, good segue, <laughs> um, talk about the brand opportunities and some of the best practices and brands that you've seen uh, when you are out in the marketplace trying to either enhance a deal that already exists, and you can mention some of those if you like, or go and find brands that are kind of doing a little bit of a toe dip and trying to figure out what this esports gaming thing is and should we be involved with it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's definitely an interesting space because although gaming has been around obviously for at least a decade, if you think of it in the big picture, especially compared to traditional sports, esports and gaming is still very much in its infancy. So to your point, Joe, I think a lot of brands are still trying to figure it out. They're still trying to understand what this is, who the audience is, the best way to activate. Um, and the cop-out answer that I will give you is that it depends. It depends on the brand. It depends on what goals they're trying to reach, what audience they're trying to reach. Um, I think in, in our particular example, we are an org that is lucky to be hitting both a female and male audience, um, but especially the, the women audience because of our focus in that area and our efforts to amplify those voices and, and kind of shine the spotlight on um, both competitive and casual space for women. Mm -hmm. So if you're a brand and you're trying to connect with what's already a hard to reach demographic, um, specifically women in the space, it's a huge opportunity because women as a whole feel un unheard in the space. Again, I, I lean on stats a lot just because you can't really mm -hmm. argue with stats, but <laughs> I think it's something like 70% of um, the, the women esports audience said that they don't feel like brands cater to them. Wow. They feel ignored. Um, and again, it comes back to that kind of old school mentality that it's a male dominated space. So brands intrinsically just lean into um, male oriented marketing. And by doing so, they're alienating a massive, massive audience. So on our end, we're trying to help brands kind of introduce themselves to this audience. And of course, there's a number of ways that you can do that. To your point, you can dip your toe in the water and do one-off talent activations um, in that instance. 
we do our best to figure out what talent makes the most sense, right? You never want to slam the square peg into the round hole. It never works. <laughs> um, nobody is as good of an actor as they think they are, unless that is actually their career. Um, so what we do is basically go through our roster. This applies to any of the orgs that I've been with and take a look at who our talent are, what brands they actually love. What do they actually use? What do they do in their free time? What are their hobbies and figure out where those connection points are and then go out to those brands and say, look, this, this is already, you are already a brand that this person loves and uses. And we would love for them to be able to talk about it more with their audience and really with your support introduce them, um, introduce that audience to your brand in a, a different way, in a different light. So for example, we're working with Streamlabs, who has been um, an incredible partner already, and they are a, a software that, that really enhances the streaming capabilities. So that is just an easy win, right? Our, our creators are already spending so much time streaming they're always looking for ways to level up um, their stream quality production. And so by partnering with Streamlabs, it, it was just a really fun way for them to not only improve their own um, production value, but share that with their audience as well. Because a lot of the viewership are also streamers, are also looking for ways to level up. They look up to these content creators for advice, for guidance, for mm tips or tricks on how to improve. So something like that is, is really easy, really authentic. We've been able to integrate them throughout our tournament series along with Logitech. Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's been incredible. And I think looking at past opportunities, I mean, it's, it's everything from the general motors partnership at TSM, where we were able to get a Cadillac, wrap that Cadillac and TSM branding. And it was our League of Legends team vehicle to go to and from practice daily, to go to and from every competition. And because we were filming all of that, all of the time for content series across social, that was massive product integration in a really authentic way, because we actually needed that big, huge Cadillac um, to give the guys enough space to decompress after a game to, you know, ride comfortably from place to place. And, and, and also just the fact that it looked really cool was, was a benefit. So there's, there's a lot of, of ways to do it. I think for galaxy racer in particular, we're still very new to this space. So we're focused right now on introducing ourselves across the mm -hmm. board and, um, really starting those conversations to see what we may be able to do with a, a number of brands and across our talent. It, it's so funny you mentioned Cadillac, because I think if you listed, you went up to anybody casually in the, the sports media space and you said, give me 50 brands that you think would be really good fits. Mm -hmm. I don't think Cadillac would be on the list. No. I was like, <laughs> I was like Entourage, the movie the other night, really quickly. And lo and behold, they're driving around a Cadillac as opposed to you know, any other thing that you could think of, but obviously that mm -hmm. was a really deft way to, to, to place and, and a good win for General Motors. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, another question, as I thought about this, as you were talking, 
everyone talks about women's sports is now having their moment and, and will mm -hmm. continue to grow, whether that's the PHF, the WNBA, NWSL. Mm -hmm. um, brands are now figuring out how to engage in that space. And you look at all the work that Ally has done, mm -hmm. around, especially around the NWSL or, or Anheuser-Busch and literally putting the money on the table to make it work. Um, are you seeing any crossover or do you look at brands that are working in traditional sports say, hey, these are brands that could play in our space? Do those, com those conversations come up and do you have them back and forth? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really, really great point. Um, Ally in particular, I mean, you, you nailed it. Ally is huge in the traditional sports space and they are in the gaming space as well. They've done an incredible job. They've most recently partnered with Radiant, which is um, another uh, org similar to ours that focuses on women's tournaments. And they actually were the presenting sponsor of one of their most recent tournaments. So it definitely is a space. I think that if brands are playing in traditional sports and they haven't yet started looking into esports and gaming, then they definitely should. And it's definitely an area where when we go outbound, we absolutely look into where are these brands currently playing? Are they in the traditional sports space? Have they started, you know, broaching into esports and gaming? Because if they're in the traditional sports space, there's absolutely no reason why they, they shouldn't entertain the idea of entering esports. Because if you look at the viewership for some of these tournaments, we are for all intents and purposes, filling stadiums. It's just virtual. It's all, it's all online. It's all digital, but that viewership is there. And so it's um, if, if not twofold, if not more, because we don't have the restrictions, right. Mm -hmm. Of ticket sales of, and it's, um, it's, it's much more global as well. 100%. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of it too, is that uh, if brands are looking to really lean into a specific region, we can help in whatever that is. So especially mm -hmm. for galaxy racer, we have obviously the talent that we have here, the tournaments that we're running here, as well as a massive creator roster with like 600 million in reach globally, including esports teams that are all over the world. So the opportunity to kind of pick and choose where you want to lean in, go broad, go targeted, it's there. And, and not all orgs can say that, um, but thankfully we can. So that's been a fun area to play in. Cool. Uh, before we get to our last two questions, one more question about gaming as lifestyle, because you were mm -hmm. at FaZe Clan probably mm -hmm. in the glory days of when FaZe Clan grew as a lifestyle brand. Obviously, for anybody who's followed, there have been some issues lately on the financial side. But but how how do you explain to someone that this is not just about people sitting in front of a laptop, that it's about music, it's about art, it's about uh, interpersonality? Um, how is, what's the, the pitch that you guys have or anyone has trying to under, understand, have people understand who are not familiar with the space, that it's not just people sitting around with joysticks? Because that is it, right? I mean, a lot of brands, a lot of people are starting to become more familiar, but so many still view it just as you said. Um, I think FaZe and 100 Thieves in particular have just done such an incredible job of showcasing how gaming at the root of it is entertainment. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it, it spans kind of the same aspects as music as, um, I mean, 
for whomever is still watching traditional TV um, movies, it's um, it's very much considered one of the primary forms of entertainment for a lot of the younger generations, if not the primary. I think a lot of um, our audience now, gaming is their top form of entertainment, followed by mm-hmm. TV, the, um, you know, movies, books. Um, so books. Wow. I, I know, I know. As soon as I said it, I was like, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Um. <laughs> Books and Cadillacs mentioned in the discussion about <laughs> esports. There you go. Yeah. Really, really trying to keep things interesting. Yeah. But, um, you know, you you have the endemic brands who, of course, get it, right? They, Logitech, Lenovo, they see the massive audience because they're in it. Um, but yeah, I think brands like FaZe, 100 Thieves have absolutely been able to break so far beyond that. I mean, we were doing a partnership with DoorDash where FaZe was selling subs, Mm -hmm. right? Like FaZe subs was launched in partnership with DoorDash. um, And to see a gaming org that started with a couple of kids that were just (laughs) posting their trick shots on YouTube grow into this behemoth of an organization with you know their own subs line uh, partnering with totinos for phase branded pizza rolls like that shows kind of the massive uh reach of the brand and and how it has expanded outside of what was traditionally considered the gaming space yeah i was at um an islanders game in november and the islanders any the islanders esports team the nhl team that they have uh, brought in some of the original guys from phase and they literally something you hardly ever see they manipulated the islanders logo to make it the phase islanders for, mm-hmm. for and, and the islanders people were looking at it like okay what is this thing and how we do it and then suddenly you know they saw 400 people standing in line to get autographs or take pictures but not really mm-hmm. get autographs because autographs aren't really a thing no, yeah, we you have, have to, to be able to post it. Get our shot, right? Yeah. Um, but the merch like flew out the door, and they couldn't figure out why. So I think that will continue to evolve. And it was a great example of crossover opportunities in traditional sports and gaming. Um, so our last two questions we ask everyone: with all the inbound stuff that you have, and and trying to stay up to date on, as we mentioned, women's sports and technology and gaming and creator uh, opportunities. Where do you go? How do you stay up to date? That's number one. Where do you go to get your information, whether it's a site or places you like to read or listen to? And then the second thing is, you've obviously made some pretty interesting transitions in your career, starting at uh, an entertainment company, now at a different kind of entertainment company, but in, in the gaming space. What advice do you give to people who are either transitioning, and there's a lot of people transitioning now, or just starting out in the space? So how do you stay constant? And then um, what advice do you give to people? Great questions across the board, because the first one I think is so important. And I I learned the importance of staying relevant and staying up to date on anything, everything, because my career started in social, right? Well, it didn't. It started pre-social. I predated social. Um, And we've all seen how quickly things change and and evolve. And that is true for a lot of industries. Um, Definitely is true of the gaming space. So Personally, I carve out time every day. I try to take at least 30 minutes more if I can just to read as much as possible. Um, Honestly, my first source is typically LinkedIn. 
I've um, done a, I, I've put a lot of effort into curating the people that I follow to ensure that the feed that I see is really relevant um, and really trusted. I, I trust kind of the information that these people are putting out. And so typically the most important articles are showing up there. From there, I, I do a number of you know, industry specific uh, esports sites, but then expand beyond that into, you know, the ad age, the Forbes, um, and really just kind of try to do as wide of a sweep as possible, just to stay up to date on everything. But yeah, ultimately, I kind of go to LinkedIn first, um, because it, it tends to be a gathering ground for all of the, the biggest things. LinkedIn and Twitter. So yes, yes, LinkedIn um, and Twitter. And then, um, what advice do you give to people, not even just people starting out, because a lot of people listen to this are probably graduated from high school or college or are looking for the first or second or third job, but also a little bit older people who are transitioning into a different business. What, what is some, what's some of the advice you give people? You know, I think the thing that I remember more than anything else <clears throat> is to have grace with yourself and with others. I think that's having grace with yourself and others is just, it doesn't matter what career you're doing, what industry you're in. It's a really good grounding element to have patience with yourself. Um, I agree. It doesn't matter if you're fresh out of high school or college or 15 years into your career, keep learning, mm -hmm. keep learning, keep growing, keep your mind open and have patience with yourself as you do. Um, and, and if you do that, it'll go a very long way. And in terms of transitioning careers, you know, trying to start down a new career path, whatever that is, I would say lean into your strengths, right? Again, even if it seems like a big jump from point A to point B, there's a commonality there. And the important thing is to find that commonality and lean into it. So whether, you know, the industries are completely different but you are a people person and you're a great communicator and you're well-spoken and have clear communication, that's going to apply to whatever the, the next thing is, right? So whatever that is for you and within your industry, find the common denominator and lean into that um, and then be open. I think when I jumped over to TSM, I was very transparent and that I was a casual gamer and I was brand new to the professional space. And I just was very open about that from the very beginning. But I said, but I know what I can bring to the table. I know what it means to build a relationship with an internal team, with brands, with clients, to be strategic about how to bring those partnerships to life. And I can do that if you guys can help me in the professional space. And they did. That team was incredible. I think they just really, I'm so grateful because they really showed up and were patient in uh, teaching me about professional uh, esports, about the teams, about the differences across the audience, because the gaming audience is not one thing, right? Like mm -hmm. you have your league audience, your Valorant audience, this the CS audience, and they're all different. And so that team was incredible at educating me. And I like to think that I was able to do the same in, in certain ways back. So all that to say, lean into your strengths. And I think with being open and, and honest um, about your 
goals to, to grow and to learn will really go a long way. And just, again, keep learning. I think things change so often um, that being 15 years into my career, I still feel like I'm learning things every single day. And that has been so incredibly rewarding. That's the beauty of the business. I think that we're in overall mm-hmm. in entertainment is something's always changing. And we made it through almost 40 minutes of that talking about pickleball, which is a great thing, by the way. So, <laughs> How could we not? It's massive. No, it's oh, come massive. out of nowhere. Fastest growing, fastest growing. Anyway, um, last question uh, for people who want to find out more about Galaxy Racer North America, or even maybe even seek you out. You talked about LinkedIn. Where are the best places that people can Yeah, feel free to find me on LinkedIn. I'm always open to answering questions. It might take me a second to get back to you, but I promise that I will. And uh, we're on a couple of different platforms, but I would say definitely start off by following us on Twitter at Galaxy Racer and at HerGalaxyGG. Cool. And I just want to remind everybody, uh, our guest today has been Megan Holgate, Vice President of Partnerships at Galaxy Race in North America. Once again, I think we learned a lot. Uh, I love the numbers that you threw out. Would have never thought about Cadillac as a brand. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, once again, the show has been great. Uh, Megan, thanks for joining us, taking the time out today. Uh, I hope you continue to get better uh, from your COVID thing. And we certainly hope that Tom is back, hopefully, uh, in the near future when people are listening to our, our shows. But once again, Megan Holgate, thanks for joining us on the Cosmic Show today. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Cool. Once again, this has been the Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Favorito for my co-host, Tom Richardson, and we will see you down the road.